Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Hey, Valentina. Hey, Paula. And hello, everybody. Y bienvenidos a Pretty Mental. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> this week, we talk about my trip to Mexico. Yeah, we are all into integrating the insights from that trip and just, in general, what traveling to other tropical countries specifically has taught us about being human. Paula also shares some insights about the mental health system and the rigidity and all of the rules that exist in there. Just kind of my thoughts and my reactions to what it's like being an actual mental health provider who originally comes from another country with a very warm, flexible background, so to speak, and how I find that sometimes rubbing up against the rules that I have to navigate to take care of my clients. And lastly... There's a few other things, but lastly, we also spoke about why we really need to be or how we can become more authentic and how to follow our most authentic yeah, selves. Yeah, how and why it's so important to embody the most authentic expression of our personalities and our physical body expression. And yeah, we, uh, we not only talk about why it's important, but also what helps us arrive at that place. So those are just a few of the topics that we covered today. And as always, take a deep breath with us. And tune in. Pretty mental. Como están? Los extrañé mucho. That is my active protest for being back in the States and having had to leave Mexico. Hey, Valentina's back. I'm refusing to speak anything but Spanish, except not really, because she's been talking English. <laughs> oh, I miss it so much. Take advantage of me while I'm here, y'all. What, what did you love about it? Everything. I have so much love and respect for the Mexican culture, for Mexico in general. First of all, how they're handling COVID is amazing. They literally blood test you at the airport. They finger prick you to see if you have COVID before coming in. And then when you come back to the States, America just throws you to the streets. They don't care. They don't do any kind of test. That's then, crazy. You know what's crazy is I, the second we landed in Mexico, there was a big sign that said, if you feel unsafe in your country, just know that you are welcome here. Do you want to know what America said when I came in? <laughs> if you're coming from China quarantine for two weeks. That's what they That's said. What it was like the first sign that I saw. There's just a lot of fear mongering here. There's a lot of... Okay, so there was this quote that our friend Eric in Mexico told us that was... I need the whole quote, but part of it was, in Mexico, nothing works, but everything works out. And in America, 
everything works, but nothing works out. And it it's, I do see that because while America is the quote unquote, like land of the free and you can, you know, the myth of meritocracy come here and work your way up, whatever. We're not going to dispel what all of that is because we kind of did in our last podcast. But like America has like such rigid rules for things and, and the rigid rules is that's a very real thing. It's so rigid. It's crazy. That's as a mental health provider. That's the part that I like rub up against. And it's weird because it makes they make you follow all of these rules. But at the end of it, there's still a lot of people who are in pain. And then, for example, like when we were in the Mexican airport, they they have rules, but they're like very warm and kind with you if, with things. You know, I'm like, can I run and get a coffee before I have to board? Because we were late. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's OK. Run like you're good. Don't worry. It's just a lot more human. They're more human. They're like, make sure you, you make it back in time, but go. And then one of the first people to interact with me in Indonesia, my friend who went to Mexico with me, when we were in America, they were yelling at us because we were standing or because we went in the line before we were supposed to. They were like, it's just so rigid. It's so rigid here. Like, I'm like, where's your warmth? You can't tell me just to kindly back up. What's the deal? Yeah. Here we our first line of defense here is is tends to be kind of aggression or just very rigid because even in the mental health world, like this is something I struggle with is that. A lot of times providers have to really navigate this space. And, and this goes, I guess this is true for any field. There's there's this background fear of getting in trouble. Yes. With the yes. system. Yes. All the time. So it's like you, and I've, I've experienced this, like when I've gone, when I tried out, I tried out two different therapists that didn't work out for me. And this happens to people all the time. And it's like, they treat you almost like they want to keep you at a distance. They immediately need to have like a diagnosis for you so that the insurance takes it. And and when you go into a therapy office, like you're already pretty vulnerable. You want to be treated softly and gently like a human. And clients are literally terrified of sharing that they're having suicidal thoughts which to me is wild because as a human, every, I mean, I can't say everybody, but most people at some point in their life have thought I would be better off dead or like life sucks or I'd rather be somewhere else. And ideally, like if you're really working with a healer, you should be able to express that without fear that they're going to like send you off to a mental hospital. And every client that I've, that has ever come into my office that did get sent to a mental hospital for some reason or other, it has always been a traumatic experience. It's never been soft and healing and nurturing and loving. I mean, the only reason that we have mental, and this is something I've been, I've been talking to Valentina about lately, that the more that I go forward in my experience as a mental health provider and in my own healing, I realize that the majority of what we call mental health conditions, if we just kind of distill it, peel back layer after layer after layer, I've addressed before how there's a fear of death there, but the other part of that is also just the absence of love. Totally. Totally. And that's the biggest difference that I don't want it to sound like I am just shitting all over America, but I, you can't ignore the difference in the warmth of the energy. The warmth. When you, 
are here and when you're in, I'm going to compare it to Mexico because that's just where I went. But I'm sure you could also say it's a lot of different foreign countries. I I felt that in Jamaica. That's something I loved about Jamaica. Like it was such a heart centered place. So heart centered. So heart centered. And there's a movement here of people wanting to be more and more heart centered. But I mean, I definitely, I even have like other um, colleagues who have told me that they're thinking of like not even getting licensed because a lot of times with this licensing thing, it's like you're constantly navigating, holding up your integrity and wanting to take care of your clients no matter what. You have to have a strong character to do that without letting fear creep in of like, oh, you could get audited at any moment or or, you know, if somebody tells you that they're going to kill themselves and, and you don't immediately work as a mandated reporter then you know and and they do end up killing themselves you could get in trouble versus like when somebody in my opinion I mean you guys know that like my cousin killed herself when I was 16 so I know that when somebody is thinking about suicide they just need love they don't need to be immediately you know and obviously you navigate this intelligently like if I have a client that's like I'm getting this has never happened to me but if I had a client that was like I'm gonna kill myself right now then I have to like figure out a way to help de-escalate them but just not immediately jumping to involving a whole system right to deal with like human frailty and and Muji you guys have heard us mention Muji Muji for president Muji is a Jamaican healer guru dude that's like super wise and I mean just listening to him you kind of go into a meditative trance and he was giving a talk and he literally was just expressing himself very freely and honestly and he goes after he was done he's like you know I'm glad I don't live in America because I could get sued for these things (laughs) it's so real it's so real I feel like uh, I got to think about what words I want to use for how I feel about America more because I want to travel more and really just see more of the difference. But the way things are being done here, it's just sad. It's really sad. There's a lack of acknowledgement and love for humanity in general. There is a lack of love. And there's a movement of people and healers, and we know a lot of them. Y'all hold it down for me because I'm not going to stay here and help you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. We'll forever be doing the podcast, but I definitely, it feels... Energy here feels a little heavy. Well, yeah, what I'm saying is like there's a lot of people here that are like, okay, like we need to come from love. Like let's get together and like expand and amplify this love. And at the same time, it's like these these systems. I, I want to dive deeper into the mental health system and really like unpack that from like a human rights perspective because there's something I've there's some things I've heard as a therapist that I'm just like, you know, when I imagine somebody being in a tough mental health situation to experience healing, I imagine them being able to go into a space where they feel so much love and nurturing and and not and, and not a healer that is afraid of getting in trouble. Right. Like that just doesn't. We got to feel compute for me to really be human. We have to feel like we have the right to be human. If not, you're going to filter yourself. You're going to act in ways that are completely sideways. You're going to just do everything but not allow your true vulnerability and to, to show. And you're not going to follow your gut with how you feel. You're going to first think about a million different ways that it can come out. And you guys here say this all the time, that relationships are so important to our mental health. Again, 
love. Like when I see my clients struggling the most, or even when I've struggled the most, is when I feel that love has become absent in my life. For example, Valentina and I got into an argument not that long ago. And, you know, at this point, I feel like we've worked in our relationship a lot and we can communicate a lot. But anyways, we got into this argument and the next day just felt so heavy. And I started feeling symptoms of that old hopeless depression creeping in and I was just like whoa this is wild it just it to me it just made it so evident how love is what sustains us you know 100% yes I started taking this course that about overcoming chronic feelings of not good enough and I was getting kind of frustrated going through the whole course because they never really mentioned relationship dynamics or the context within which that those feelings of not good enough are born they were just telling you like this is how you overcome them this is how you overcome them but it all felt so like individualistic you know you're having these thoughts because this is just what you're having but I think it's so important when we talk about any kind of mental health condition or challenging situation coming up that we address the contexts in which it's happening and a huge part of feeling hopeless for life is feeling disconnected from the relationships and feeling disconnected from love because truly like there's just not what what else what other reason are we here for i keep telling people every time i do a cheers or every time i do i'm talking to people i say man if there's anything that 2020 has taught us is take care of your people take care of your people truly like take care of your community take care of your friends because we're realizing that we are all we have we are all we have. And so you really feel that in these collectivist countries. I really want you to expand on what you were just saying, though, like the context through which people don't feel good enough. What do you mean by that? For example, what would you have wanted, wanted to hear specifically? I would want them to address the trauma in this country of financial disparity and racial disparity. You know, they never address poverty. They never, it was just all kind of like, well, if you're thinking negative thoughts about yourself, like as if this is just popping up in a vacuum. And to me, that feels so stigmatizing because it's just saying like, it, it, you walk away with the feeling that I'm having these negative thoughts about myself because there's something wrong with me. Yes. And I'm just not being positive enough. And I just don't know how to navigate my mind enough or this other doctor. And I'm, I do this too. I love going back to like evolutionary psychology and saying, you know, we respond in this way because um, we kind of evolved to do certain things. But this doctor was so caught up on like, we have just evolved to kind of not feel good enough in order to be able to push ourselves up like the social ladder. Excuse, no way. No, I swear. Hold on, we've evolved to not feel good enough. Yeah. To basically like, we've evolved yeah. to like, I'm sorry, I'm just really trying to wrap my head around this. No, yeah, he was saying, like, if you go, like, on safaris through, and this is a really respected doctor, um, if, you, if you go, like, through safaris in Africa and you look at animal tri a animal groups, you always see, like, the alpha males surrounded by all these women, and then the other, um, the other, like, males in that, what do you call it, a tribe? <laughs> what do you call it with animals? A crew? I don't know. That crew? I don't know. Um, Just kind of like trying to like stand up to each other and prove their worth. And so he's just saying like, well, that's just how we are as humans. And I'm like, I I mean, that is so 
tone deaf to me because you have to address the systems. If I'm born into a state of poverty or if I grew up in a situation where like I'm experiencing rape, which happens a lot, a lot of women and men too experience sexual abuse, right? And so then you learn to identify that like your body is a, a source of pain. This has nothing to do with social hierarchy, <laughs> This or like was saying like, oh, you just don't feel good enough because like this is a part of your biology so that you learn to like push yourself harder and do better. No. Are you allowed to give feedback on this thing? I should. If you don't, I'm going to. Hello, sir. I have not taken your classes, (laughs) but here's my feedback. Yeah. And I just realized that the more that I go into this mental health journey as a as a provider, the more critical I'm becoming of the education that we receive. Yes. That's why a lot of these motivational speakers that I used to follow that, you know, help me get to a certain point to get out of survival mode. But now where I'm at, I can't follow them anymore because all they want to do is move forward. But it it lacks depth because I want to hear, I want to hear them talk about, you know, why a lot of people maybe can't be forward, why they may be feeling this way, like the history of it, the, the context from which all of this is coming. You can't just get up every day and the context and, you and, have and to touch the about. surface of like, this is what you got to do. Mm, there's, there's layers to it. You have to talk about the context or they're talking about how like, there's one part I'm, you guys know that I'm super interested in the topic of narcissism I just watch all these t- all these trainings with such a critical eye. And there's one part where they, they were saying, um, I need to remember the names of these psychologists, but she was saying that what they're discovering is that narcissistic people, quote unquote, are literally have a part in their brain that like they don't, it takes a lot more for them to respond to pleasure. So they're just trying to get pleasure wherever they can. And so now they've, now they have, brought the human down to biological parts and I'm like (laughs) for me I'm like what is it is it the chicken or the egg you know because why why maybe are you not responding to pleasure as much you know is it because you were deprived of experiences of love when you were younger so you don't know how to recognize them like now you just want to brain blame it on the brain and blame it on like oh you're just kind of a broken human they want to medicalize everything they want a medical I'm getting pissed I really really I'm about to start a whole preschool so I can start young being like the human pre the human preschool where you learn how to be a human this is how we will start it is okay to be sad it is okay to be this it is okay to be that yes you deserve love yes you deserve this is which you know the system that currently does exist is like here are all the rules you need to follow if you don't follow them something is wrong with you and then that's when you start going down the black hole of something is wrong with me I need to find love elsewhere I need to you know yeah we're approaching this in such an interesting way individualistic very individualistic biological and here's the thing oh this is something else they kept mentioning they're saying like you know genetics this and genetics that and I'm like okay have you guys not learned about epigenetics? Like, why are you not addressing epigenetics as you talk about this? Epigenetics is the most cutting edge research that we're doing on genetics. And what we now know is that genetics don't determine your development as a human. We're all born with a code, with a blueprint for what's possible to take place. 
but it's the environment that signals the turning on and off of these genes. It's kind of like you have a car, but the car doesn't run itself. You have to put the key in it. So it's not just like, oh, you were born with genetics for OCD. That's why you have OCD. It's it doesn't work that way. You know, if you may, your brain might be more tempted to respond in that particular kind of defense pattern. mechanism way. Yeah, in yeah. that pattern. For example, if you grew up in an environment that kind of breeds fear and you feel the re- and you feel that at any point love is conditional for you, chances of that OCD manifesting in your system are like exponentially greater. You know, it's not just genetics. It's also do you feel safe in your environment? Do you feel love from the people that you're around? Do you feel love at school, you know? Or do you feel like you're being, which we don't. Like, I have so many teens that experience so much anxiety about going to school because they're being literally, and we experience this, like, you're just being graded all the time, being, you kind of have to prove your worth day after day after day. And that's going to make somebody depressed. It's not, that's not just, like, a biochemical think that you're born with and this is a death sentence it's where what what are you existing in you know like when I'm in Jamaica and I'm experiencing the heart-centered love of these people the way they greet me the way they want to share the way they talk to you the way that like you just feel so human and so seen I don't feel depressed Uh uh-uh no because you have your tribe here and you don't have to you don't have to there's no judgment there's no judgment everyone has respect for each other there's respect everywhere you go. Whereas here, you there's a lot of the hierarchy, the class, the status. Yeah, it's almost there's- it's almost like our intake paperwork should have a question that says, Do you feel loved? Yeah. Literally. Do you feel loved? Do you feel and if not, why? You know, even when we talk about self love, a lot of self love I, I forgot where I read this, but like we don't we learn to love ourselves in the company of each other. When somebody loves you, they also teach you what love is. Yes. And you bloom. You bloom in love. You bloom in love. And that is why I've become also very aware of the kind of people that I really want to be around. And you, Paul and I were having a conversation last night. You know, we are constantly exploring our what triggers us and really seeing if we're reacting and if we can react in a better way and how we can become more empathetic, kinder humans for mm-hmm. ourselves and each other. Right. Learn from our triggers. What is this tr- here to show me? That kind of thing. And now I'm really realizing how it's also important to pay attention to the kind of energy where you feel safe. And, and I've okay, I've known that. That's not something that's new. But before, maybe I would have stuck it out a little longer. I'm like, how can I maybe adapt even more? How can I explore my trigger even more if this is bothering me? But now I'm really at a point that's like, well, I don't really actually need to do that for everything. I really don't. And one of the reasons that it's so in my face is because of this last trip that I took with Danasia. I freaking love Danasia. Danasia is hilarious. She's <laughs> she's become like a sister best friend in a very short amount of time. She and this is what I love about her. She is the one herself. Of her she is herself. Yeah. Through and through. Yeah. She is so real. Yeah. So real. And she pays attention to her, the energy. If she doesn't mess with something, she's out. She's out. And I respect it so much. I respect it so much because then she gravi- Then she pulls in the energy that is more like her. She pulls in the energy that 
you know, she's going to bloom in. And then that's, that's infectious to be around people who are so authentic. It makes you want to be even more authentic. So the entire trip, her and I were like, I mean, we were the epitome of two fire signs walking around Mexico. Like we could not be just more real. Yeah. And just calling each other out and cracking up and cracking up. Right. I feel like I've also been around a lot of circles where people will stuff and I've done this too. We'll stuff things down just so we can coexist. coexist. And sometimes you don't really need to. You can love people from afar. There's no need to be with a group of people or hang out in certain circles or, you know, connect with certain circles that if you don't mess with someone's energy, it's okay. You don't need to it's, apologize. Just get out. That It's such a dance. It you is know? such, it's a, such dance. a dance between, okay, let me look at, I'm willing to look at myself and I want to show up as the most loving, compassionate human that I can learning as I go, obviously not letting every trigger drive me over the hill. And at the same time, listening to like, sometimes we just need to walk away. And when do you know? It's such a dance. It's such a dance. As you get older and you learn to trust yourself and you learn to honor yourself. And I think mingling with different groups as well and traveling and being by yourself or maybe if you can't travel, but spending time alone, spending time journaling, Cause now I'm at a point where I, if I, okay, you know, my thing, if I can't trust your integrity or your moral compass, I'm out. I can't do it. Yeah. And in the past, maybe I would stick with it a little more. Cause I'm like, that's just who they are. Yeah. You know, but for me, it's become like, if I don't trust your integrity or where you stand on things and I, and your moves are kind of unpredictable and that you may or may not have my back depending on who's in the group at that time. I just can't do it. No, that may, that feels so unsafe to it, me. It's so unsafe, but I actually used to really actually, I used to stick in those groups because it was love and like we love each other. And now I'm realizing that it's become so clear to me that more than just keeping up with love, quote unquote, the most important thing for my own personal growth is to feel safe. Yeah, it's such and a I need balance. to I need to trust the integrity of the group that I'm in or the person that I'm in front of. That's super I, important to know about yourself. I mean, I feel like that we should all embrace that thought process. Yeah. You know, like I know it's super important for you, but I feel like all of us could take that and be like, OK, you know, integrity is so important. Yeah. I don't want to be in a group of people where like mm, they may or may not, you know, have my back at a certain time or may or may not support this or may or may not. No, I want to know. For me, integrity is a black or white thing. So all of that to say, it's such a dance of, yes, I'm continuing to explore my triggers. I'm continuing to adapt and not be, you know, just this like hard edge, rigid person that is immediately out if I don't like something. Yeah, because that's not it either. Because that's not it either. But I'm also at a point where I like my personality doesn't have to get along with everybody. It really doesn't. And it's okay. No, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I was like, Muji, Muji. I love Muji. <laughs> I love how you always come in with What them. if we have, cause I'm a ride or die. I'm a stamp for Muji. We, we need, need to have, have him on the podcast. Yeah. We need to have him on the podcast. Or that. Um, he was saying, I, one of my favorite talks that he's done is like, if you're a lion, like roar like a lion, just roar like a lion. Like I'm not, He's like, I'm not telling you to go there or do this or be with those people, but like, just let yourself be seen. 
And if you feel like you're constantly having to hide who you are in order to exist in certain circles, that's not it. No. That's another thing I love about Danasia. <laughs> I'm going to make sure you listen to this podcast, Danasia. I'm giving you all the love. I feel like I can be myself with her. Oh, my God. You- that's, the thing. that's the thing that we said before, that when you allow yourself to be free, you free other people around you. You free other people around you. You free other people around so you. So keeping yourself small, keeping yourself kind of malleable, like all the time. Of course, flexibility is important, but to the point that like you're kind of just moving in such a way to like make sure other people think you're polite and so on and so forth. That also like ripples out into your circle and then everyone is acting that way and then no one is communicating anymore. One of the things that I love, we were having a late night talk once and she was like, listen, people are going to find out whether they like me or not. Like without within a few days of hanging out with me and then you can do whatever you want after that. But she's not the kind of person is that's going to like put on a a face to like be a a certain way. She's like, I am who I am. You'll figure it out sooner or later. And she's so real. I mean, that's right. And that's how I wish everyone was like that. Dude, I mean, and and you know, in in these Western school models for mental health, which I'm just really grappling with lately, in these Western school models of mental health, they don't talk enough about like the art of psychotherapy in the sense of like there's just a lot of emphasis placed on being a neutral listener that just reflects back and doesn't, you know, give opinions and all that. And okay, maybe on the outset it sounds kind of like, okay, cool, like a human that's just going to listen to me and I'm not going to be judged. But what I've experienced in going in searching for my own therapist, you know, cuz I everyone should everyone when they're looking for a therapist ends up therapist shopping and experiencing like different therapists until you find one that like matches you. And there's just so many therapists out there that take it so literally yeah that was my therapist that's my last therapist it was so awful it feels so unsafe it felt I was like I don't I would say something and I at least would want some kind of feedback some kind of re- like a laugh like or like something. yeah I know what you mean just, like I would get, I like, feel you I would get a blank stare and be like and just, she was so neutral that I was like I don't need I could be a psychopath right now and I would never know I really would never know. No, you feel like it kind of feels like you're being judged, actually. Yeah. That's why I say if you were my therapist, I that's why it's hard for me to find a therapist because I have you to compare everyone to that you do give super educated advice and can remain neutral in the way that you give it or present it. Yeah. But you're also superhuman. Yeah. You're superhuman and you're like well, that. Well, not like superhuman, but oh. very human. <laughs> She's a superhuman. Yeah. And I'm you- a human. Like I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to like not be real with my clients. Like I'm not going to like leave myself out the door. Yeah. And I have so many clients that have stuck around now for like years, you know, and I think that's a big part of it. Like when I text, when for example, like I, I, I use my phone to text with clients for like, appointment scheduling sometimes um because we can use it like that just like for logistics that's another where like you can't really be texting with your clients but so for logistics and when I text with them I like put exclamation marks I put smiley faces like I make them feel welcome as they should if they're coming to me for healing and yet and then I've come across some other therapists when I'm looking for my own therapist and they're so dry it's like what day are you available 
please share the dates. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm supposed to share my soul with you and you're acting like a robot. That does not feel comfortable to me. Your 50 minutes are up. One hundred dollars, please. Yeah, I want you to laugh. I want you to obviously like not be imposing your full worldview on me. Like it's such an art. It's an art. But people just but people just seem to take this education to such an extreme. And it's a very Western model. It's a very Western model that has forgotten our indigenous roots, like the raw humanity of healing. Real healing, y'all, is messy. Like you're going to be crying. There's going to be snot coming out your nose. You know, you're going to be able to feel insecure sometimes. You're going to feel super vulnerable. You want to feel that you're like with a human that genuinely understands what it's like to walk through those spaces. And I don't feel like that when I'm just staring at somebody that I can't decipher anything about them it's like a wall I, I wonder how la, la, latino therapists function like i'm really curious actually because latin cultures in general are so collectivist and people are warm you know like people hug and i mean there's so many rules and things could go wrong but like you're not really supposed to even hug your clients and whenever i've had latin clients they all want to give me a hug at the end of session and if they ask you like it's fine but it's just I remember when I first it's so sterile when I came to America, um, it took me a while to stop kissing all my teachers on the cheek. <laughs> it really did. Yeah. I would say bye to them and kiss them on the cheek. I would kiss everyone on the cheek. And it, I remember learning like, God, that's so weird that like I can't do that anymore. I mean, I could, but people are just going to think I'm like coming on to them or something. Yeah. But or, that's a very just we're so we're warm. It's warm. You know, you you have dinners and like. You know, your brother is dancing with your grandma while you're dancing with your uncle and like your cousins are dancing with your mom. Everybody's just free. Things here in America, in my experience, you know, I love America for many reasons. But the mental health crisis to me is so related to that rigidity and how sterile we try to treat human beings. So what can we do aside from spreading the message of, you know, what we're doing here on Pretty Mental? For our community, what can we do? Like, what can our community members do for each other to help each other through this time? Well, and to combat the the systems that we exist in. I've, I I think it, it always has to start at an individual level. So yeah, if we're not even having honest, transparent communication with our friends and with the people near us, what hope does the does the world at large have? Uh, you know, I've worked with so many families, so many individuals, so many couples that people are literally scared of being honest and real about problems with the people that are supposed to be closest to them. So everyone is just walking around, pretending everything's okay, smiling, showing up for functions together, taking cute Instagram pictures, you know, having these a beautiful home and picture-perfect life. And on the inside, there's so much fear around communicating directly. So how do you recommend that people approach communicate communication if the other person on the, you know, on the other side of that may not be as self-aware or. Well, here's the thing. You can spend your whole life tiptoeing around people who may not be ready to hear you and therefore live a very inauthentic expression of yourself. Or you just start venturing out. And this goes back to being OK with other people being a little bit uncomfortable. You can't experience real love you can't experience real connection if you're not also willing to experience some discomfort. You got to be willing to and OK with people potentially walking away or from you walking away from people as well. I mean, this goes back to the teachings of Danesia. <laughs> <laughs> Danesia, our guru. <laughs> 
is that like you were saying she's just gonna be herself she's not waiting to know if you're if you want to communicate with her or not she's just like okay i'm this is just how i feel and doesn't that make you feel so much safer that you don't have to guess yeah love that yeah and it's the same thing like in the mental health system if we're just super sterile and a therapist is super apprehensive before being honest with me like I, how can I really trust that because she's having those thoughts she's still a human so like I don't want you to hide the fact that you're human so much because you're obviously a human so. we've it's like we've been trained to not be ourselves and being yourself is truly an act of rebellion yeah you've got to be yourself like it is your job truly yourself and it's okay if people judge you it's okay if people don't like you it's okay if you got to do it because sooner or later you're going to start also attracting people who are not being themselves either. No, no, no. If you are yourself, oh. you're going to attract people who are who are themselves. And then it's going to be. It's just so much stress free hanging out. It's stress free hanging out because even when there are problems, you just quickly talk about it and get over with. It's not like fear of like how, you know, fear of eggshells. ruffling people's feathers. Yeah, like, it is what it is. It's like, hey, this this made me mad. It did. Oh, cool. Won't do it anymore. I, Great. I personally I don't feel that comfortable hanging out, hanging out with people who are afraid to ruffle my feathers, because if you're afraid to ruffle my feathers, that means that there's a lot of stuff in your relationship with me that you're keeping to yourself. And you may be building up a whole caseload of reasons that you may not like me. Or who knows? I have no idea what's going on in your mind. That's why I feel more. I personally feel more comfortable with people that are that call me out on shit. Love it. Because then I'm like, okay, well, clearly, like, you're not afraid of, like, upsetting me a little bit. So, like, that that way, when we are having a good time, I know that we're both 100 percent fully here. It's authentic. Yeah. And that kind of takes me also into this whole very sterile thing of not being ourselves something that I feel like can help us understand how to navigate that dance between being ourselves and also challenging our triggers so that we can keep growing is also how we relate to our bodies yes because for example you could say one extreme is I accept my body no matter what. So I'm not going to do anything for it. Like it's fine. Just the way it is. That's not healthy. Like you still, you got to exercise. You got to take care of it. Your body's meant for movement, you know, eat well. Um, because ultimately that's also going to affect your mental health. Like it all, it does matter to take care of it. But the other extreme of it is like, I can't let my body be seen unless it is absolutely perfect and sterile. Like no lumps, no bumps, no skin sagging anywhere, just no sign of humanity. And then I will let my body be seen. Neither extreme of that is good. We got to find somewhere in the middle. I'm just to get like more real on this podcast about the female body because this is something we've been talking about. And like for women, we always when it comes to like our body shape and our body size and our body features, I, I've always felt this pressure for it to show up perfectly, you know? So like, for example, like my boobs have to be like perfectly put up, almost like touching my chin, you know, when I was growing I up. I gotta have a chin to boob connection, y'all. <laughs> gotta have a chin to boob <laughs> connection. <laughs> Give me that Victoria's Secret, you know, push up bra so that like there is no evidence of sag or natural boob happening anywhere. And as I, it's ironic because as I get older, you would think that I would be more confident about my boobs when I was younger because they're younger boobs. <laughs> it's a uh -huh. boob podcast. But as I get older, 
now I'm like, hmm, if there's a little bit of sag, like, honestly, that's fine. And it feels so liberating to wear shirts that don't even hide it and to just be like, this is my body. I can still come out and I can still enjoy myself and I can still love myself. And I don't have to have a sterile, perfect body in order for it to be sensual and in order for it to be beautiful. I can just enjoy it in its natural state. And there's something so liberating about doing that and then just picking clothes that I feel comfortable in, right? Not just necessarily clothes that hide the parts of me that I don't want to be seen, but just showing up in our natural bodies. I feel like it's such a metaphor for also showing up in our natural personalities. Yeah, 100%. That's something that we actually need to go in depth in. And we keep saying we're going to have a, a the body podcast. So we're going to make it the next one. The we body have to. Podcast, we bought, okay. Yeah, because there's so much you want to say. There's so much I want to go into, but I feel like it's going to turn into another podcast. Yeah. Um, and I know we're, we're getting close to the end, so I don't want to dive too deep in there. But I think it's so just so important. It's so important. Yeah. It's our weird. relationships with our bodies. Yeah. I mean, I used to think that my body, like I said, had to look perfect before I put on that bathing suit or whatever. And now it's almost like an act of liberation to put on that bathing suit anyway. Exactly how I am. Exactly how I am. And it's fun to put on makeup and it's fun to put on filters and it's fun to take those perfect angles, but not believing it. I used to not go out if I didn't feel completely perfect. And I'm talking about like not like not out of my room. Like I would not leave my room (laughs) when I was younger. I wouldn't leave if I didn't feel completely perfect. And I don't even know what that is. I don't like what is perfect. I don't know. I really don't know. I just, it, it, I mean, how society, I guess. I wouldn't leave my room. Just the narratives we buy I into. felt a lot of shame walking out into the world like and like I wouldn't be accepted if my body didn't look a certain way. And that has a lot to do with whew, the society we live in. Also, we are Colombian. Col- the Colombian culture is extremely aware of... Female beauty. Female beauty. Yeah. As women in general. Yeah. There's layers to this as... Coming from a, a Catholic background, we're here to pleasure the men. That's, you know, and reproduce. It's like our bodies have always been used as tools and pleasure for other people. Yeah. But we haven't been. Well, we're starting to. And and the, now. The female, this new, I, I really feel that with this new generation of women, I'm seeing it more and more. The new female wave is to decolonize your body take your body back and and give yourself pleasure with it make it your own artwork do what you want to do with it to be a little more raw and so like just to round it out so that we don't go too deep into the body thing because we're going to anyways in in the next one but there's a movement in mental wellness called embodiment happening which is like get into your body get into the raw fleshiness you know, softness, dimpleness, whatever it is of your body, get into it, move it, feel it, love it, show up, wear something sensual, you know, with those curves, like however it is, you know, if you don't have curves, wear something sensual, like just enjoy your body, step into it, show up freely. And I I do genuinely believe that the more that we can do that through the body, the more that that feeds into our personality also showing up authentically. So we can use the body as a gateway for emotional liberation, truly. So like we don't just have to spend all our time rationalizing how to be free in our mind and how to show up authentically. Get into your living room and film yourself dancing 
like a tribal you know person that is just free and celebrating life and releasing energy and you know go out with your friends and, and don't be afraid to dance and you know wear what you want and and eat and then if you're feel bloated still put on that bikini and like love the humanity of your body and I just it's not possible to do that and not start showing up authentically in your personality at the same time it's so real it goes hand in hand so you know for men and women for men and women to like no matter how I look like I still deserve to go out and I still deserve to connect and I still deserve to like feel like a glorious manifestation of the divine here on earth and my body still deserves to be celebrated by the partner that I'm with no matter whatever the size shape or stage in life that I'm in yeah and then if that's the case then it's like why would I not why would I be afraid of expressing when somebody like is rubbing me the wrong way it's like when, when you start liberating different parts of your life it, it's a ripple effect because it's all you know we Connected. are yeah we're all systems onto ourselves so like you start shifting one system that's going to naturally impact freedom in other parts of your life as well boom so there's that freedom authenticity liberation collective healing normalize being human amen to that okay pretty mental we love you te quiero mucho te queremos mucho te queremos mucho we love you thank you for tuning in and we will be back this coming monday at 6 a.m be kind to yourselves out there ciao peace